0: Hi guys, and welcome to another Chronicles podcast. Our guest this week is Sam Reid, who has worked as a political correspondent on both BBC Radio Northampton and TV show BBC Look
1: East. Today he talks about his day-to-day work as a political reporter what it was like covering the council crisis in Northamptonshire and how some of the met- methods he uses to find political stories across the country.
0: First off, here he is talking about some of the tasks he faces on a daily basis working across the Midlands in Northlands, and Cambridgeshire, and what he finds most challenging between working in TV and radio.
2: I thought I wanted to do radio. I only ever wanted to do radio, basically. Um, and so I just freelanced at a load of local radio stations including some really really rubbish local radio stations uh including a local radio station where i was reading the 4:30 headlines one day and i thought what are those people doing in the next studio and it was the bailiffs coming to dismantle the uh, radio station because the company was being repossessed so like really 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 rubbish uh radio stations and eventually got a bit of freelance work at BBC Somerset, which is like the local radio station down there. Um, and they gave me like the odd day, and then they booked me for weeks, and then they booked me for like blocks of three months. Um, and then eventually, after a very long time, uh, they gave me a permanent contract. And then I wanted to, I was just a general reporter. That was a very small station, so you literally had to do everything. You had to read the news, you had to produce the programs. You had to go out and report. You literally had to do everything, um, which was good. I would definitely say you can get a job like that. Um, that's why I kind of love local radio so much, is you do get to do everything, and I think that's that's really good start. Uh, then I wanted to move in with uh, the person who's now my wife, and so I moved to Radio Northampton, thinking I've never heard of Northampton, never been to Northampton. Um, sounded a bit like somewhere I wouldn't want to live, Um, but I came here, and I came here to produce uh, Radio Northampton's Drive programme, which I did for a year. Then I produced the Breakfast programme, which is obviously seen as the flagship show, there's a lot more resources into Breakfast because the audience is much bigger. Uh, And then I spent three years as Radio Northampton's politics reporter, um, which I'll talk about in a second in much more detail because that's why I'm here to talk about politics. And then I um, did a couple of attachments during that time. So the BBC is quite good at this, where you can do kind of short uh, stints, usually covering somebody. Usually you're just sat around waiting for someone to go on paternity leave um, who's got a job you want. Um, And I did that a couple of times. So I did that. um, I covered the Northamptonshire Reporter for Look East. Uh, Then I covered the political reporter for Look East for a bit, both when they were on paternity leave, and then very end of November I moved permanently to Look East. So now I'm a general reporter for Look East, um, and I kind of get sent to anything. So um, I'll talk about the politics in a minute, but just to tell you kind of what I do day to day, I do four long days, so I do four 10-hour days, Um, our programme is based in Cambridge and covers Cambridgeshire, Northamptonshire, Bedfordshire, Milton Keynes. Um, and I basically, for me, a day is defined like this. If I have to go to the office, it's a bad day. And if I don't have to go to the office, it's a good day. Because I live in South Northamptonshire at the moment. Cambridge is a very long way. It takes me forever to get there. And if I'm in the office, it usually means I've got a boring day. So most days, I get an email in the evening from the next day's producer to say, this is your story for tomorrow, go and do it. Uh, and I can go straight to the story, which is much, much better to go into the office. Or uh, I might ring them up first thing in the morning, like 7 o'clock in the morning, and say, what, you, what are you thinking for me today, uh, and whether I need to go into the office or not. So that's kind of how my days are structured. Do you edit
0: all your packages on the road, then?
2: So, it depends. So, I... I supposedly have the skills to film my own stuff, uh, edit my own stuff, produce my own stuff full stop. I rarely have to do all that on my own, uh, quite rarely. I have, in my car all the time, I have a TV camera uh, and a tripod and my laptop, which I've got here, which I can edit on. So if um, I'm meant to be going to Cambridge to do our lead story tonight after this on... um, school exclusions but if the building over there catches on fire um, I won't be doing that I'll probably be filming it and then editing a piece in my car so that is why I have to carry that equipment with me all the time most days I get a cameraman but not every day so for me the pieces with a cameraman look a million times better and that's partly because my VJ, VJ video journalist skills aren't aren't quite as good as some of our other VJs, but even our best VJs, the cameraman pe- shot pieces look better because they're really pros. They have better cameras as well, but they're just brilliant pros. So most days, we'll get a cameraman, um, and then it just all varies. So some days, if the story's near Cambridge, they might say, go back to the office in Cambridge and edit there. So I might sit with an editor in Cambridge. Um, there is one editor for, the, for Lucky's our Cambridge edition. Um, Other days, I might have to edit myself. So uh, on Saturday, for example, I had to do a Saturday shift. They did have a cameraman to send me, but then I sat in Pret and edited. So I can... That was just because I wanted to use their free Wi-Fi. Um, So uh, I can edit on my laptop. Other days, like yesterday, yesterday I I had to do the kind of... I expect, if you watch every single... ITV or BBC local uh, regional news program last night they would all have the same story that I had to do yesterday which is what do people in the region think of the fact the government's gone to pot so I had to do the kind of what do people in Corby think of where we go next with Brexit so I had to do that yesterday I started off with nothing but a cameraman we did some stuff in the town centre we went to a logistics firm company, and someone else collected some the other bits for us in Cambridge, because Corby voted leave, Cambridge voted remain, they sent that over to us and I sat with my cameraman and edited in his van. So that is uh, preferable to me, because again, he's a better editor than me, but I could have edited that piece if I'd had to. Um, and then I had to do a live. Which, to be honest, um, they really like these lives in telly, to add texture, something different to the programme. Was what I was saying desperately needed to be live? Not really, but it does make the programme feel a bit more vibrant, a bit more different. Um, And they really wanted, basically the reason I was live was so they could have this opening shot where the presenter stands next to a big screen and the big screen has a picture of me in one box and a picture of our politics reporter in Westminster on another box and they like that because it makes us look really big. It makes us look like the network muse, because they do that a lot. So they can say, in a minute we'll hear from Westminster, and Tom's there, but first here's Sam and Corby, and they like that because it looks big. So I spoke for 25 seconds, um, and then into my package, which ran, and then they went. So that was a pretty typical day for me yesterday. Um, Didn't go to the office, went straight to Corby usually we'd have stuff set up at least part of the piece set up the day before um which we didn't yesterday so it was a bit of a scramble but that was kind of yesterday Um, so i'd spoken through the day to a producer so they knew exactly they told me what they wanted um, and we discussed it i had my own ideas so they there was no surprise when i sent that piece at five to six last night it wasn't like oh my you know they know what's coming but um, but it was me and the cameraman who did it. Um, so that's kind of my days now. So to, by the way, just shout out if you've got any questions. Don't, don't feel like you've got to wait to the end. Um, so the reason that I was here to talk was because of my previous job, which was Radio Northampton's politics reporter. So I think these are the best jobs in BBC local radio, mainly because... Um, and it's not really because I love politics. I'm, I am interested in politics, I genuinely am, but I'm not a political nerd. So I cannot recite, you know, when the last massive, until this week, I couldn't recite when the last big government defeat was on a piece of legislation, I couldn't. Um, I'm not a political geek. What, what appealed to me about the, the politics reporter jobs is for some BBC reasons, if you're the politics reporter, they can't get you to do any other job, so they can't then say, "Oh, the newsreader's sick. Can you read news bulletins today?" or "The drive producer's sick. Can you produce drive?" Because for BBC reasons, you can't, because they want dedicated politics reporters to make sure politics is being covered. They think that's a really important thing for the BBC to be doing. Um, so that really appealed to me because reporting is what I really like doing. And do
0: you know so, another reason why I always like doing the politics? Go on. Speak?
2: Is because you you get a better chance of getting the lead story. Yeah, and there are and there, mm. like, I was often the lead story. And when I covered when I covered, I did seven weeks as the politics reporter over the summer last year at Look East, covering an attachment there. And summer was meant to be the dead time. It was you know all the MPs are on holiday. It's absolutely dead time. Um, but. I think every day I worked, I was on telly, and the lowest in the programme I was was second. So if you're bothered about that, then that's great. I have to say, I have some colleagues who, I can think of one colleague in particular who doesn't like, she just likes the the second half of our programme, where you do those nicer, fluffier things. Often you get more time, often you can meet some real characters, you can go to interesting places, And some people can get a bit sniffy about that absolutely not me and actually i find those pieces myself quite a lot harder because you've you've got to be more creative and often there's not a lot to say because they're built around just one interesting character or i mean um, one of my colleagues did a wonderful piece recently about winter at the Botanic Gardens in Cambridge. It was lovely, but that was a really hard piece to do because it was like two and a half minutes of just shots of plants. I mean, you know, what would you say? I mean, I have absolutely zero interest in gardening, but it was lovely. Just, and, it's, and those pieces are really hard. But it, yeah, you're, if you, mm-hmm. if, if you want to be on the top of the programme, if you want to get people talking, it's a, it's a great gig.
0: Sam has had a turbulent career with the BBC as three years covering politics in Northamptonshire have included a range of events such as the Brexit referendum in 2016, the general election in the following year and the council crisis in Northamptonshire that is still ongoing to this day. Here he tells us about some of the highlights of working in the county and looks at ways in which he had to present the big stories to the public whilst maintaining interest as he trawled through the difficult areas of political news.
2: And I kind of had um, kind of three great years to cover that, because we had general election in that time, we had the EU referendum in that time, and we had the collapse of the county council here. And that was the kind of story that I was able to own here, really, I suppose. Um, Because everyone, obviously, locally and nationally is covering the election, everyone locally and nationally is covering uh, the, the EU referendum and there are some really complicated editorial issues in some of that but the story I really could own and break new ground and get people talking just on my journalism basically was, was the county council collapse and I think that's, so I was going to talk about that in a minute but I was just going to talk briefly about how through that county council collapse so basically what happened is the council ran out of money because it had been mismanaged over a load of years by its senior management, and its councillors, the elected people, had basically not done much to to argue with the management, who had been pursuing policies that didn't didn't work for the council. So basically, ran out of money. Um, it had to uh, issue some warnings that sound really really boring. Um, which is called a section 114 notice, which is a phrase that I think I managed to get away with using on air once. Um, And you would have, if you were following it, you would have seen that phrase an awful lot. I tried not to use it ever because people don't care. But what that was basically means was emergency spending controls. And then the county continued to collapse away and government sent in some officials to run the council basically it sounds really boring and as we're going through at the the top why it matters and i think all those things are absolutely what we were talking about in our meetings our news meetings every single day was those things how do we make this really important and there's something to be said about people get angry when their council tax you know if if you're paying council tax and your council tax going down the swanee basically um people get angry. And then there's those stories about services. And um, one of the really complex issues that we've, uh, that, that come when covering local government, and this was kind of accentuated in this, in this crisis because we had to talk about it a lot, like some local radio stations get a bit bogged down in covering council stories anyway, but we had to be covering this every, every single day. And I think one of the things is, if you, ask, if you went out on the street and did a box of people and talked to them about their councils, they would think about their bin collection, uh, maybe their tip that they go to, they would think maybe about potholes. Basically, that's what our audience think of. And actually, a lot of that isn't what the council does, because a lot of what the big bulk of where the council spends its money is looking after vulnerable people children and old people. So social workers, which you mentioned earlier, for for very vulnerable children in horrific situations. And if you want a story to look out for that's going to be really big in the next six months here in Northamptonshire, we're going to get three serious case reviews into um, three deaths of different separate children, which I would expect to be highly critical of the way social services is one of them, isn't it? Yeah. I, somebody from the police told me that that was on a scale of Baby P. Yeah, we're gonna see some absolutely horrendous. and when those stories come out, when those three serious case reviews come out, um, and there has to be a time lag because there's court cases involved and things like this. When those come out, I think that will really, again, hit home for people. Actually, this is serious stuff that actually people can relate to. It's not all about bin collection. And so a lot of what we spend our time doing is thinking about those issues and how can we make those make it clear why this matters. And that's true whoever you're working for, absolutely, um, because you want people to watch, you want people to listen, you want people to buy your paper, click on your link on Facebook, whatever it is. Um, at the BBC, they take that even more seriously because we feel like we should do even more of... Th- even more of the kind of council stuff, you know, enhancing local democracy, all that kind of stuff. The BBT takes really seriously reporting that kind of stuff. And so it's just constantly, constantly thinking about how to make it feel real and human, talking to those real people. And, it, and I was thinking, as I was driving here today, about the one thing that our, our, when I did a course very similar to this. And when we had our news days, and I'm sure this is not the case with you, but when we had our news days, what was what I now think about is when we were doing stories about something that had happened somewhere, when we did our news days, we always used to think, if we got a, the local councillor on, we used to think, oh, that makes it seem really quite professional, and that's what you'd see in the, the mainstream media. The local council that that's got some authority. And what's funny is in the... In my job, I spend most, um, particularly when I was a politics reporter, I spend most of my time trying not to get the councillors on. Um, because I'd much rather hear from real people than the councillors. Now, there, there is a moment for the councillors. So, you've heard from the real person. They've got this scathing story about how... The, um, there was one story I did at the end of last year of some a mum who'd had... Um, four different social workers in three months. Now she had a really powerful story about what that meant for her family, for her kids, and then there's a moment to get the council on and say, "Look how awful this situation is, and it's on your watch." So there's a, work, a space for councillors, but we're always, always after the human bit first. Always, and that was kind of what I—that's kind of what I thought about as I was driving here today. It's all about the human element. Um, uh, And and that is kind of what we're thinking about. How can we get the human element into these stories about this massive collapse of a council? Um, And why does it matter? Because this was the first time in 20 years any council anywhere had issued emergency spending controls. Yet if you went to work, the roads were still open, the library was still open, your bin was still collected. So you were kind of like, meh. Um, So we needed to tell that story about why, actually, this is really important. And I did some pieces for... Everyone got really excited when the first emergency spending controls were on, and I did a a few pieces for Radio 4 and 5 Live. And the people, the producers, would be sat in um, Salford or London, and they'd ring and they'd say, so what can you tell us about the impact on the street of this? And they, they were kind of talking as though, like... Everyone in Northamptonshire was staying at home scared because their council, I mean, that just wasn't the case. I mean, if you were here, it depends how long you've been here, but if you've been here over the last year, you might not have noticed if you weren't following the media. So it's really important to, to honestly, but as powerfully as we can, show just kind of why it, why it matters. And that's basically what I spent three years doing and particularly the last year of my job when the council was collapsing, was one, finding out what's going on and then trying to tell the audience why that's important. And that usually is through speaking to, to normal people, I think.
1: Here Sam is going to talk about on making contacts during your career span by going for coffees or with local councillors or other people who might be of help in the future to extract information and create content. It's all a part of building trust and sharing the information. He also says that it is important to establish your position with the help of your contacts, wherein people will first come to you if they hear something that might be of your interest.
2: So I was just going to talk a bit about how the stories that we put on air, where they came from. Um, And I'd say the number one source of, not the number one source as in the biggest number of stories, but I think the best source of the best stories that we did were always from contacts. And that is something that I's, is built up over time, basically. And that's why those politics report jobs are so great, because they can allow you to spend some time going for coffees with councillors and i got an awful lot of stick from my wife from my work colleagues about the number of coffees i'd go for with council leaders in northamptonshire but over doing that over two years boy in the final year did that pay off Um, if i just think about how my my working day through the biggest part of the council crisis was a bit bonkers, really. I think the latest I rang the leader of Northamptonshire council, as was at the time, was half eleven at night, and I think the earliest she rang me was at 6.45 in the morning, and that was kind of what it was like for a few weeks, where stuff was happening absolutely non-stop and there was no point me saying... and According to my contracts, I could have said, well, I started work at 8, so I'm going home at 4, and that's it. But I wouldn't have done a very good job if I'd done that. And so building up those contacts, it, you want to get to the stage where people just ad hoc ring you and tell you, I've heard this interesting thing, I thought you might want to know. And we did get to that point in the end. But before you get to that point, what you're trying to do is get to the point of, if I ring them, they're going to trust me enough to take the seem. The problem of screening on phones is a massive, massive problem. And I've had that with some of our MPs. Once they've got your number, you can call them and they just screen you up. So getting them to pick up the phone uh, is, you know, a massive, massively important. And then trusting you to tell you stuff, including stuff off the record, which helps you build that picture um, is just really important. And people ringing me and saying... You know, I've heard this. Um, There was one of the big stories that got a lot of national pickup was when the county council, three months after officially opening its new headquarters, decided to sell its new headquarters. It's kind of one of those stories that doesn't have any real people in, but real people kind of go, what? That just sounds stupid. So you spent £53 million on your headquarters, you opened it, and then three months later you're going to sell it? It just sounds stupid. Um, And that got a lot of pickup, and that came from... Councillors having a meeting, um, Conservative councillors, just the Conservative group in private, um, and then, you know, that getting talked about amongst councillors, and then somebody calling one of my colleagues and saying this, and then at, eight, at kind of half eight in the evening one Tuesday or Wednesday, he rings me and says, "Someone's just told me this. I don't really believe it, but I thought I'd better give you a call." So then I can call a load of other people I know would have been in that meeting and within, um, you know, half an hour, basically, I knew that was true. And we put that out on the next morning and it got a lot of pickup, up. And, I, and that was one of the times I got a late call from um, the leader of the council to say, no, in fact, I called her to say, I'm going to run this story tomorrow. Do you want to come on and respond? Um, and... Uh, then she has to make those those, those late night like decisions, and um, not discussing who. Um, but some people in the in the council weren't very keen on us running that story. They thought it needed to come out officially. They thought we were going to um, kick up a fuss, which which it did um, by running it. And there are times that was quite a limited example, but there are times when there's a lot of pressure going on. We had this over some of our election um, debates that we held, there's a lot of pressure coming from particular political parties and representatives, candidates to say, why haven't you got me on this panel? Why are you running this story when we don't think you should? Can't you hold off on this story? And you've got to be able to have those conversations. And every time we had one of those arguments slash complaints slash disagreements, I would refer up to my news editor before I committed to anything every time to cover my back, if nothing else. But it's still me who has to go back and have those conversations, including conversations with very experienced MPs, including conversations with ministers who weren't very happy at some of the, the stuff we were doing. Um, and those are difficult conversations, but to be honest, they're fun conversations, because you know you know when you're getting to that point, and I'm not saying we get everything right, because certainly I don't and we don't, But you've got to have those discussions with your bosses, because you've got to then go back and present this united BBC front, really, to these people. Um, So yeah, the number one place, I think, the best stories come from is contacts.
0: So after hearing all of that, what did you find uh, most interesting about Sam's talk today,
1: Mark? Uh, The thing I found really interesting of what Sam spoke today was about building relationships with people, albeit diplomatic, because it helps people, especially journalists, in gathering information from the sources and convey it to the public correctly and efficiently.
0: Yeah, well, for me, what's so interesting with uh, Sam's job is the fact that even as a political reporter for just the three years, he's had so much content to cover in Northamptonshire because he's not only had national-scale news with general elections and Brexit referendums, but he's had a council collapse going on at the same time, which, for me just proves that he's been very very lucky working in this part of the world to get that much content but other than that thank you very much for joining us and listening to another podcast we will be back next week where emily and divian will be hosting tyler socks who's podcasting about ghost stories should be a good listen until then see you liked up.